How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina, and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music, and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie, and Wrightsville, and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Full Press Fantasy Pod, part of Full Press Coverage. My name is Kyle Senra, and joining me is my co-host, Brad Harbin. How are you doing, Brad? Hey, Kyle. Doing great, man. Uh, happy New Year to you and, uh, and your family and uh, everybody out there uh, listening. Yes, Brad. Likewise, same wishes to you. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Appreciate Year to it. listeners. It's 2022, so uh, we've gone through the 2021 fantasy football season, and you know, champions have been crowned. Uh, you know, unfortunately, you get one champion per league, so a lot of other people aren't mm-hmm. so happy. But that's, I mean, that's the nature of the competition, right? If if it was so easy to win and everyone won every league every year, we wouldn't we wouldn't find it so fun. So it's you know a lot of depressing nights losing, but for those that managed to to win their leagues, uh, the the victory is all that sweeter. So uh, congrats exactly. to everyone who did manage to win their leagues, and uh, yeah, we're hopefully we helped in any way, shape at all. I know that's Brad and I. It's kind of what we want to do. We, we're here to help and, and talk fantasy. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's been a crazy year. I mean, you had to deal with uh, COVID, obviously, uh, m- multiple injuries, uh, and you know, uh, some some games were rescheduled. So you definitely had to, uh, you know, kind of project project that out and, and plan ahead. And well, which uh, I believe you know we covered us uh, on several episodes. So uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a lot of fun uh, this season with you, Kyle. Yeah, and we'll we'll be here every step of the way through the off season. We, we love talking dynasty and the, the processes leading up to 
draft season again in, in the summer and we'll do it all over again next fall in the football uh obviously there's still some regular season and uh, you know nfl playoff games to go so focus more on that uh energy wise but yeah still do uh think that we can take some lessons from 2021 and and move them forward but uh uh before any further delay uh we do have a guest here and i'd like to introduce him eric romov from the pros with joe's charity league so eric welcome and uh you know, appreciate you uh, taking the time to, to join us, but also talk about your pros with Joe's League and, and everything that goes on there. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Thank you both for for having me on. And, and like you said, uh, well wishes for the new year. Congratulations to all the fantasy champions out there. And the the thing that I would really want to double click on is the the concept that that you you sort of teased teased to right. Like one team out of your entire league is the champion. So if you came up just short. If you were bounced out of the playoffs, like, you know, take take solace in the fact that even that is incredibly difficult to do on a year in and year out basis. Um, so if you came up a little bit short, uh, all the more reason to sharpen your pencil in the offseason, make another deep run in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're going to you know, keep moving forward. And in 2022, the pros with Joe's league will also continue. So uh, why don't you let our listeners know exactly what the league is and, and what that entails? Yeah. So pros with Joe's is a charity fantasy football league. Uh, we just wrapped up our second season uh, in existence. We started uh, not uh, not this past season, but in, in 2020 or the 2020 football season. And uh, much like Many of the charity leagues out there, it is um, it is a large pool kind of tournament style fantasy contest. What's different with ours is that as opposed to uh, simply you know pitting industry experts against each other or inviting everyday players into a, a, a an expert league, I should say, um, we actually pair up both pro industry expert and Joe everyday players. So. Uh, every single one of our experts that participates this year, we had 42. They are representing and raising money for a charity that is near and dear to their heart. And the way that we determine who they play with is basically anyone who donates to that charity is entered into a sweepstakes, into a drawing. Uh, we then draw the winner and each of our 42 teams is essentially a pair of co-managers that then goes on to compete for an in-season pot that we raise uh, from the start of the season through uh, a little after the season, actually, we're still raising money for this year's champion, uh, Matt Harmon, who's playing for the Terra's Paler Endowment at Howard University. Yeah, so first off, I mean, any charity leagues, I think, are, are, are definitely, you know, you know, we play fantasy Absolutely. football and there's a lot of money involved, but you know, from the, you know, and we all enjoy it. Like we get so much pleasure, just the fantasy aspect that the one thing we can do for having such a great opportunity to be in this community industry is to give back. And uh, like you're saying, like each, each of the 42 uh, pros quote unquote had their own charity. So, so not only is raising funds for those charities with the, the sweepstakes entries, but raising awareness for all those different charities and the platform that you have with pros with Joe's just helps highlight all these different causes that exist. And that's, that's a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's one of the things that I've, I've come to, to really enjoy in, you know, the past couple of years of doing this is just really, you know, being educated and becoming aware of the different uh, organizations out there, right? Like we, uh, you know, we, we generally uh, have someone representing, you know, all of, all of the big ones. 
March of Dimes and American Cancer Society and Red Cross and, and sort of these household names, but I've also become familiar with some fairly niche organizations that are, you know, helping to rescue wildlife in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, or that are supporting, you know, disenfranchised youth in, uh, you know, a very specific community. So it's it's really cool to, you know, kind of broaden my horizons on just how many organizations are out there trying to do good, and all of them, the like, big or small, they do such an outstanding, a, a, an amazing job of stretching a dollar, right? You, you get a couple of bucks their way and they can, they can do so much with it. It's, it's incredible, um, you know, being able to see some of the math behind the, the work that they do. We love math here. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a good kind of math because people are, you know, getting benefits from it. But uh, Brad, do you have anything Definitely. to say about the, this pros with Joe's concept? No, I think I think it's uh, fantastic. And uh, first of all, I want to thank you uh, for uh, completing the uh, the trilogy of the of the beards. Uh, we all have uh, the COVID beards, uh, possibly, or uh, I know that's when I started mine. Uh, was about two years ago. But but no, in all seriousness, I I think the you know uh, having a having a league that you know directly uh, you know affects a charity i mean I, i'm certainly very close to something like that as well my my wife uh, runs a nonprofit for uh for foster and adoptive families uh retreats stuff like that so uh um i actually uh, i joined a couple um, of leagues as as well uh that uh you know one, one went to a ministry uh, another one went to a different charity so I, th I think it's a great opportunity also a great opportunity to uh you know try and build the fantasy football community. It sounds like, I mean, trying to get, you know, people, uh, you know, teamed up with, um, with, you know, the, the pros, you know, trying to help them, you know, learn the ropes and stuff like that. I think that's uh, I think that's great. And uh, that's just uh, more listeners uh, for us, hopefully. And uh, that, that we can uh, help down the road. Absolutely. Yeah. Raising awareness for everyone. And yes, anyone who does listen to this, that's why we obviously get an advantage from that. But I think like you're saying, Brad, like connecting the community and, and Eric, mm -hmm. I know that uh, you also uh, hosted or co-hosted a podcast throughout the season, kind of talking to different of the pros that, are, that were in the league. And uh, I was listening to a recent episode, uh, gee, Dan, uh, Dan Claskins. Yeah. Dan Claskins. I think he mentioned he had mm -hmm. never co-managed before in his you know, decades of playing fantasy football. So like even just opening that experience to, to some of the more seasoned veteran pros seemed like that was a, uh, was kind of fun to, you know, and let the, let the, the everyday Joe connect with them and see what the inside of a team building from, from some of the, these uh, big renowned experts. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. We, uh, we, we went on in that episode to talk about how, uh, how he and I both, you know, find interesting and almost have a table stakes item where, each of the leagues we participate in has some different wrinkle, a different format, a different scoring system, a different rule. Um, so while this is his only co-managed team, he, you know, he, he grew to appreciate that this is the only team of his dozens and dozens that he now has to, you know, uh, chat with someone about decisions and gets that input. And it's, it's actually been kind of an interesting bit of feedback that I've gotten from a lot of our pros, just how much they welcome the outside opinion or the opinion of their co-manager in this process, right? Um, we, we talked about math a little bit earlier. We can all get kind of stuck in a, in a silo or in a vacuum of, you know, analyzing things and looking over the data over and over again. And just in a, a fresh perspective can, can really, you know, kind of broaden their perspective and help them, you know, see the forest through the trees, so to speak. So Dan definitely shared 
a sentiment along those lines. And I've, I've heard that from a lot of our pros over the years. So you mentioned you're still raising funds for this year. So where can people go to help uh, to contribute and donate to the pros with Joe's? Yeah. Yeah. Easiest way to do it. If you check us out on Twitter at pros with Joe's uh, pinned up there at the top is a link to our fundraiser page or in season fundraiser uh, that runs through this coming Monday at midnight. Uh, so that is the money that we've raised throughout the uh, regular season. And that will go to this year's champion, Matt Harmon, uh, who's raising money for a, an endowment, a scholarship in one of his uh, colleagues name from, from Yahoo sports, Tara's Paler. Um, or you can go directly to our website, proswithjoes.com. Uh, up there in the top banner, there's a button that says donate. It'll route you to the same page. So either of those are there, um, you know, as you're there, give a little, give a lot, whatever you can spare. Um, generally speaking, you won't miss it and you'll probably feel pretty good about yourself after you do it. And it goes to a great cause. So uh, if you are so inclined to please, please do consider supporting uh, Matt's cause for the 2021 season. And we'll try and do our part, like, you know, linking the you know, pros yeah. with Joe's account whenever we tweet out about this episode or even in, in the podcast descriptions, I'll maybe try and link that, that website page to where people can donate just to, to help people out and, and find it. Cause yeah, uh, you know, among a lot of great causes you can find there, but certainly try to raise money for Matt's uh, charity and then that, uh, um, that scholarship. Uh, Cause yeah, it, you're, again, great causes can come in all sorts of different forms and someone will deservingly get that money somewhere. So Absolutely. yeah, appreciate that. Appreciate and again, appreciate Eric for coming on and talking about that. That was, that's really great. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for sharing your platform with me. It really goes, goes a long way in, in getting the word out there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We're now in 2022, but we can still you know, look back on the 2021 fantasy season and we can take some things away from that. And so one of the things I, I invited both Brad and Eric to do is for all of us to talk about one team in particular that did really well and what went right. And then one team that where things went wrong. And then also we're going to try and draw some more general lessons from all that. I, you know, I always, you know, I try to do that on this show is okay. Talk about specific subjects. What can we draw large from that? So we were kind of used to doing anyway, Brad, I hope, I hope we do a good job of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll fall first on the sword because we're talking about charity leagues and uh, uh, this is, I'll talk, we'll start with the bad. I think we want to end with the good, the, 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 the title chasing at the, at the end. So I'll start off uh, falling on the grenade of the, of the bad things. So people get the, the good, bad impression of me first, um, but charity leagues and uh, the fantasy coaches uh, in the, uh, in the summer did a charity league and also a charity pot-a-thon to raise money for the humane society and uh, helping a lot of animals out. And, and that's, that's a, uh, just as worthy of causes helping out, out humans. Uh, we, all, we all share this planet as, as creatures and species. So helping each other out uh, when we can anyway. And uh, so you know, obviously I was glad to donate to that money and, and uh, donate my time because I didn't, I didn't win anything uh, pretty bad. I think I won four games. I think I went like four and 10. And it's, it's a, a little bit of a wrinkle because I'm always big on scoring settings. I'm, I'm drafting and trying strategies out based on what the scoring settings are saying. It, the super flex league, 
tight end premium, but also running backs got more points per reception than wide receivers. So my whole thing going to the draft was, oh, I think I'm going to fade wide receiver, which in, in, you know, I got my first wide receiver I drafted. I went back and looked at the draft board. Ninth round, I drafted Brandon Cooks. That's actually probably pretty good value for a wide receiver. But then 10th round, Robbie Anderson, 12th round, Curtis Samuel, like my wide receiver depth was just awful. And I made some, I think my best free agent pickups in the season were like Christian Kirk and Brandon Ayuk. So I was able to kind of just get like to a passable level at wide receiver. Like Kirk was probably the best value receiver I had all year. And I picked him up as a free agent for free, basically. <laughs> like that's, that's, that's value there. Right. So I, I, I went maybe too extreme on the value of, okay, this is a draft to fade wide receiver. I think I pushed that too hard. I look back like, you know, fifth round, Travis Etienne. You, you know, you know, and sixth round Trey Lance. Like, I don't think I got a start out of either of those two players this season. And you know, the, you're just, you know, that's two pretty important picks, fifth and sixth round. Those, that, those should be like close to every week starters. And yeah, I got some extra value from Cooks in the ninth, but it didn't make up for basically wasting those two picks. Uh, so, uh, you know, and you know, the Trey Lance thing, I was maybe a little too aggressive on the rookie quarterbacks this year in general, re- redraft or dynasty. And then it kind of hurt, kind of hurt me here. I, I took Daniel Jones and that was basically the one, two punch. But uh, the, the reason the league's called the secret play is because every week there's, you know, two to three managers and it changed week to week who were the quote unquote secret play. If you, as the manager, won your week as a secret play, you got to then force a trade with your opponent. It had to be the same position and had to both be starters. So it had to be two, like two players switched that were both in the starting lineups. But in terms of like having success in this league, it was super important to win those weeks, to be able to, to steal players. And I didn't win any of my weeks. I only won four weeks, right? So clearly I didn't do so well. And I never won the week where I was the secret player. I think I had you know, two or three opportunities through the season. I remember the one week where I was playing against the Justin Jefferson manager. I almost had it. I, I was kind of like, ooh, I might get Justin Jefferson on my team, but but no. But And I think part of for this league, that was key to improving your teams, not just through the waiver wires. And you could make trades as well. But it, it was really through winning those secret play weeks. And I actually lost, uh, I started my draft, Travis Kelsey, Dak Prescott, and I lost Dak in the middle of the season, losing a secret play week. So it was kind of really important and key, but I look back and, you know, my draft wasn't great. And, you know, you don't do great in drafting a redraft. It's usually, it's really tough to kind of work your way through the waiver wire and trades to, to build your way back up. And I had some good running backs. And, and again, Travis Kelsey was a decent pick. Maybe not the, the league winning difference maker we would have hoped as a first round pick, but I, I had some all right plays, but just not, not enough depth to when it really mattered when I was losing Dak Prescott, you know, having, having it that wake up that morning. Okay. You, you've Dak Prescott has been traded for Teddy Bridgewater. That wasn't really good. And that really sunk my team, but yeah. So in this, in this league, it was all about obviously winning as much as you could like every week, but winning the key weeks and not losing the key weeks, which you didn't really know, you know, you never knew if you were going up against the secret play, right? I mean, you knew if you were the secret play that week, but you never really knew if you were going up against it. So that was kind of the tricky aspect too. Um, so yeah, so that's, uh, that's my uh, team that again, went four and 10 in the fantasy coaches secret play. And I, again, shout out to, to coach Steve, coach Jibs for organizing that charity league for the uh, humane society. So Eric, as our guest, do you want to go next? Yeah. Um, so I guess where I stepped in it, uh, in this last season, wasn't exclusively isolated to a single league. Um, and I, I think it more so um, has to do with with kind of a, a macro theme or, or lesson learned on the season. And that is uh, the importance of depth, right? Uh, forever and ever, 
I have been a big fan of consolidation trades. And in this year, more than any, it seemed like every time I made a consolidation trade, I would immediately lose out on one of my starters and woefully miss the depth that I just traded away, right? Um, so a lot of the teams that I had that missed the playoffs or that made it in and were immediately bounced out were ones that, like everybody, were dealing with player availability, injuries, COVID issues. And, you know, while having that that upside player on my roster, you know, played somewhat of a role in, in me getting there, you know, having to run them out alongside a replacement level or worse player that I, you know, picked up off the scrap heap was ultimately the the death nail for for my season on those teams. And, you know, conversely, the teams where I wasn't successful in pulling off that trade or, you know, biding my time a little bit more and, and kind of stood put with my depth were the ones that that made deeper runs. So, you know, that's something that I, I think we we hear a lot that, you know, depth is 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 material to your fortunes in fantasy. Um, but you know, specifically over these last few years, really can be make or break. And I was I was bit by, by that a couple of times. Uh, the the other thing that that comes to mind is we all do a lot of drafts. <laughs> we we seem to have more and more teams every single year. And I've kind of gotten into this bad habit where as I get into my last couple of drafts of the season, I'll start reaching for players just because I don't have any exposure to them. Um, you know, guys where I'll be sitting around the fifth round and it's like, I don't have any Allen Robinson yet. Yeah, let's give it a go. And then my Allen Robinson team is bottomed out, right? So I, you know, I, I am a proponent of, you know, balancing exposures across your portfolio of teams, but don't just do something for, uh, you know, the sake of, of trying something different, right? Make sure that, um, you know, if, if that's a, you know, kind of a tiebreaker or a hair splitter, that's fine. But, um, you know, ultimately stick to your board, right? You've, you've worked all off season in analyzing and determining the players that you want to target and don't break from that just for the sake of, of trying something new and mixing it up a little bit. I, I get like that too. Okay. The last redraft right, league or two, right. it's always like, okay, the last who, one. Yeah. I, those, okay, who do I not have any on any teams? Like I'll, I'll try and get that guy. And but like, I, I, I agree in, in a sense of, okay, if I don't have a player in dynasty, that's okay. Next year, I'll just target them in redraft and I'll at least get my exposure to them that way. So I kind of like cross format, try and, and cover yeah. my bases. I know famously we <laughs> talked about it, Brad, uh, how much Juju Smith-Schuster I had in redraft leagues, exactly. which is is great to have because I had, you know, I think I talked about like all my Deontay Johnson shares are in Dynasty and all my Juju shares are redraft, but it balances itself out. And now oh, I, got, I got Deontay on some Dynasty teams and he did pretty good. And all the Juju redraft teams, well, they're done. They're redraft. It's done. So I don't have to worry about having, you know, wasting my Juju picks. It's funny because that secret play was one of the leagues where I didn't reach on Juju and still didn't, didn't work for me. Gotcha. So. <laughs> Uh, but Brad, any uh, fortunate stories for you in fantasy this year? Well, uh, I mean, truthfully, it's going to sound, you know, similar. It's going to sound like a broken record. It's, it's the lack of depth. Uh, it was m- m- most uh, most prominent was uh, the standard league that I, I talked about, which was very touchdown heavy driven. I think I did so many mock drafts. I did so many um, other redrafts uh, that were PPR. Um, I, I, I think it kind of messed with my head because I, uh, I, I was actually going for a dynasty in this uh, league. I, I, I won it the last two years. Always had a, you know, got to get those guys that are going to score the touchdowns. And I, I feel like I did that early on. I I, I went uh, Derrick Henry and, and CEH. 
but I, I think where I, where I messed up was um, thinking about Hawkinson and and sure he he got the volume at certain times, but he didn't really get in the end zone that much. I could have gotten Mark Andrews, kind of kind of messed up there. Uh, but really, the, the the going back to the depth thing for. I don't know, five, six weeks, and obviously lost all five of those five or six weeks. I had uh, Kyler Murray, Derrick Henry, and CEH all out uh, at the same time, which um, not really having any any backups. I, you know, kind of reaching for Hawkinson, possibly in, in a standard league where, where, where I did. I, I want to say I, I went fifth with him. Um, I missed out on, on, a, on a, you know, possible solid – Solid wide receiver. Uh, I had Thielen. Of course, he had a you know a few uh, a few uh, weeks where he he missed, but I mean he he was obviously touchdown driven. Uh, he had you know he he you know could score a little bit, but I missed out on that opportunity. So really, just at, at that second wide receiver spot in the tight end, just wouldn't get any uh, any touchdown uh, production. I think the other thing that I that that kind of suffered that that caused me to suffer a little bit in that league. It was, was focusing on Kyler Murray. I, I mean, I love watching the guy play. Um, but I, I think I focused too much on his possible rushing upside, which was considerably down this, this year compared to uh, uh, other, other seasons. And, uh, and of course, uh, you know, obviously him, I'm missing some games. So I, I think, I think when I go back to that league next year, which I'm, I keep saying, I keep telling myself I'm not going to do it because it's a, it's kind of a lame lead. There's no, there's no uh, trading or anything like that, but I know I'll get sucked into it and I'll, I'll just have to have a better, um, you know, understanding of, uh, you know, focusing on those guys who I feel are going to get the touchdowns, get back, get back on that saddle and, uh, and trying to uh, reclaim my prize. But, but uh, yeah, really once those uh, injuries came, uh, I was pretty much decimated. I mean, I was forced to play like Cortland Sutton, uh, Brandon Ayuk when he wasn't, getting hardly any uh, targets at, at the uh, wide receiver. So, I mean, it was a, uh, it, it was a bad few weeks there for me. And uh, I, I was sad to see the, uh, the crown go away from me, but you know, uh, 2022 is around the corner. So uh, start uh, doing my homework now. I missed out on a three peat as well this year. So <laughs> I feel you, Brad, but I, I think like just to specifically touch on Kyler Murray, did you have thoughts of like, maybe not have him ranked as the QB one, but you like, I'm guessing you were thinking, he has a decent enough percentage chance to be the QB one at the end of the season. Right. Like yeah. Kinda... I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I want to say uh, Al Allen went early and actually the guy who won the whole thing, he, he drafted him. Uh, I want to say in the first round, which is actually, you know, kind of surprising, but in the standard league, I guess it kind of makes sense. I mean, you know, with his uh, rushing upside and, and uh, I want to say I, I took Kyler um, as the second quarterback overall, but yeah, I'm just like thinking, you know, and like I said, touchdown driven, you get six points for a passing touchdown instead of four and some of the PPR and most of the PPR leagues. So kind of that mindset, I, you know, what I've been, you know, would have been better for me to hold off and, you know, get a Rogers or a Brady, obviously. I mean, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, but uh, you know, get somebody who's gonna, you know, obviously be, be available, be durable, um, you know, not take chances, uh, run the ball and, and getting hurt. So, I mean, kind of kind of went away from from that so i mean and and pretty much my plan because uh last year like i said i, I won i did have rogers uh, as my quarterback along with uh derrick henry but um yeah i mean i i think i just kind of I, I thought and at the beginning of the year i mean it looked like the cardinals were you know a legit team i mean uh you know they, they were the offense was looking good uh there, there were 
there was slumps here and there, but obviously it uh, didn't really start slumping until the, uh, till the end of the year there. And uh, I mean, they're still uh, going to possibly be uh, limping into the playoffs. And a lot of that has to do with the quarterback play and, and what's been going on there. So, yeah. yeah like even if you didn't wait as long to get to the Brady Rogers range, if you had waited right. a round or two, taken Herbert, perhaps. Sure. Like, yeah. Even, exactly. even that you could have got an extra absolutely second round pick and yeah you know me yeah. but again it's you know you might have not you, you might have passed on murray and taken another running back who got hurt too right or another player exactly. that that also got injured so as much as we can kind of sit back and you know what strategy work with what you know with you know what positions to target at the end of the day it is still about taking the right positions because like it you is. were saying like uh you know going josh allen in the first round in a single quarterback league, that's like, you know, in our day and age of so much super flex, we're all really kind of conditioned to say, like, you're not taking quarterbacks in the first round. No way. Right. And, you know, it didn't matter, you know, because, uh, you know, obviously he didn't win the league because he went Josh Allen in the first round that, that other manager won the league because they probably nailed a lot of their other picks and yeah, had other really solid sure. pieces throughout. Yeah. And that, you know, probably made some good waiver moves throughout as well. You can't, you know, you're never going to just win in the draft, but, but certainly like a move like that, you could look at it and see like, Ooh, that, that'd be something almost, you might lose your, your draft if you reach too early on the quarterback in the first round, but how many first round picks this year didn't pay off? I mean, like, like, I know you, you went Derek Henry in the first round and until he got hurt, he was amazing. He was a, like oh, a true absolutely. difference maker where he was sure. outscoring every other running back by a, a decent enough margin, almost kind of like what Jonathan Taylor's done the, the second half of the season. Yeah. So like, even it's tough to say Henry's a big miss, but like the other guys that got hurt, like, like McCaffrey, I think played less games than Henry this year. Mm-hmm. Zeke really didn't step up to, to be the number one guy. Dalvin yeah. cook stopped catching passes this year, uh, a much lower reception total than what we'd seen. I guess in, in a standard league, that doesn't really matter, but it, you're still less yards accumulated. So there were a lot of first round picks that failed. Mm-hmm. So Josh Allen, even though you, you'd think maybe a reach from that position standpoint, at least he was producing the points and I believe is the quarterback one on the year. So, Oh yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're going to reach on the quarterback in the first round, they better finish as the community yeah, one. The one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Eric, did you have any thoughts about any of the, really the three leagues that, that we all discuss any big takeaways from all that? Yeah. The, the thing that came to mind uh, a moment ago, back to the, the Kyler Murray conversation is I, I randomly ended up with a lot of Kyler Murray this year. Um, and usually I'm, I'm one to wait on quarterbacks. It's very much so, uh, you know, the the kind of in vogue strategy that most people take, um, and and maybe that's that's another lesson to to kind of glean out of this, right? Like, at a certain point, you know, rules like wait on quarterback or you know uh, a running back, running back draft strategy or whatever it might be. Like, at a certain point, value trumps all of that, right? So, um, you know, I I, I would kind of went in intending to wait for a longer period of time on my quarterback, but, you know, look up in the sixth, seventh round of a redraft league and there's Kyler Murray staring at you. Like you have to be willing to, you know, kind of uh, adapt your strategy and, and capitalize on, on that kind of value. And, you know, for, for the teams that, that I had him, um, you know, it was, it was a bit of a bumpy road. I, I ended up winning the title in two of the leagues where I had him, but really had to scramble for that kind of mid season window where he was uh, unavailable due to, due to injury. Right. But um, you know, the, the point persists, like you, you sort of have to, you know, make it a point to first and foremost play the board, um, you know, to, to whatever extent your, your strategy allows. And, 
adapt based on the value that that comes to you. I think I only had two teams with Kyler Murray this year. One was a dynasty. One, one was a redraft. I actually ended up winning the dynasty league and just with that mid season, you know, like how to, how to get quarterbacks. I, I remember trading two thirds to get Taylor Heineke probably would have been right around week six, week seven. I think Kirk cousins by week, week seven, I needed, I needed that other starter. So, uh, and then, I mean, I think at that point people were still maybe not convinced Heineke was going to start the entire season. Is Fitzpatrick going to come back at that point? Like there's still maybe right, Brad. I mean, I, I know I was kind of pushing the, the narrative hard as soon as Fitzpatrick got injured. I thought yeah. my thinking was this could be all year for Heineke. And so mm-hmm. I, I was willing to buy in. And again, two thirds seems like nothing when you, when you win the title, uh, okay. pretty sure. Cause it's a dynasty league and, and you, you know, if you've got enough roster spots and you can pull it off, I, I know at, at points, even in the off season, I was rostering Colt McCoy and Chris Trevler. I don't know who the backup's going to be. Give me anyone who's on this Cardinals depth chart. So if I lose Kyler Murray, at least I got the backups. Um, and, you know, Chris Trevler is pretty useless this year, but, but I think the idea still stand, you know, I, I might hold Colt, Colt McCoy going into this off season. I'm usually in, you know, in dynasty, even in Superflex. you know, those backup quarterbacks, like you could probably gain someone else for free who also is a backup quarterback. So they're not really worth holding. You never know who's going to get the jobs. Colt McCoy could lose his backup job. Right. But I think that's one where, because Kyler Murray is important enough. I might hold Colt McCoy. And, and it's just, again, we, we're circling back to this conversation depth. Where do you have depth and do you have depth at the right spots? I talked about that, that one league I, I went back to, I, I just, I had, good depth at running back. And I mean, you know, Trey Lance, I suppose counts as depth at quarterback, but, but I didn't have the depth at the one position where I didn't even really have like starters drafted to, to be, you know, worthy of, of being started every week. So um, it's, it's kind of, it's one of those where it's tricky, right? Cause there's positions where you want to go early, but you also the depth's important in those positions. Talk about running backs in particular, I think, right? Like you want to go early, but you also want to go late. So how, how much, how many running backs can you afford to put on your roster and still be okay at other positions? It's, it's part of the balancing game of, of all that. And, and that equation probably changes league to league based on the settings, league size, like just starting requirement, like how many positions or how many players at each position you need to start and total starters. So it's a, it's a fun equation that you kind of have to almost recalculate for every league. Yeah. Going, going back to the point about uh, the, the person who drafted Josh Allen in the first round, um, you know, there's there's the adage of you generally won't win your your league in the first round, but you can certainly lose it. And you know Josh Allen being available and contributing throughout the year, you know certainly played a role in that team's eventual success. And I was I was talking about this uh, with the guys over at at Livewire. I did a pod with them a, a few days ago, and that is very much so part of my evaluation on first round running backs. Right, it's not only the opportunity, the skill set, the potential, but I will put a premium on a player that has clear visibility to who their handcuff is, right? So that way you're not playing this guessing game and you can know, you know, definitively, I've locked up the running back production for the Vikings or the Cowboys or whoever it might be. Um, so that, you know, that saves you from having to speculate on, you know, second and third stringers that may or may not get the job. Um, but also, you know, you're, you're, you've got that baked in contingency plan. So definitely an, an interesting, uh, you know, kind of point of view or, uh, you know, take to, to look at, uh, you know, which of these starters has, uh, has a defined handcuff. Cause that, that makes the in-season maneuvering a little bit easier. 
Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, yeah, I think I remember cause I, I go back to one year where Matt Forte was with, in Chicago and, oh, Kadeem Carey is going to be his handcuff. And I definitely remember taking that. And then, and then when Forte got hurt, either Carey was hurt or he wasn't doing well. And there was someone else that got the majority of the carries. It's like, okay, well, I guess, guess we don't know. And I guess we can see why Kadeem Carey's in the CFL now. Oh, he did look pretty good with Saskatchewan last year, I got to say. Uh, but uh, <laughs> CFL talk aside, this is uh, NFL fantasy football, of course. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Brad, did you have anything to add? Uh, we're talking about all these all these depressing teams that let us down. Nothing else, really. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm ready to move on to uh, some positivity here, Kyle. What, what, what do you got for me? Well, again, I think it'll be nice and we'll let the guest go first. So, Eric, uh, why don't you uh, brighten our day and talk about a team where things went right for you and why things went right and what, you know, some good decisions that you made uh, that uh, contributed. Yeah, um, so I'll, I'll talk about uh, a team where things went right and I was most surprised by that outcome. Um, and that's actually a dynasty league that we started up I think it was around this time last year with uh, several of the uh, contributors and analysts over at, at Going for Two. And at the time, drafting in January, um, I immediately took some kind of high risk, high reward uh, lines on on this build. It's a it's a super flex league. It's it's a deep bench. It's a deep starting roster. And I went out and speculated on. Taysom Hill getting this job immediately or on Aaron Rodgers leaving and Jordan Love being an asset from the get-go, you know, so on and so forth to the point where a few weeks into the season, it looked like I was immediately in rebuild mode. There was, there was not a whole lot to be excited about on this roster. I had a couple of decent pieces, but most of my pieces were younger, you know, a bit more uh, speculative in nature. And as opposed to, you know, uh, you know, it's kind of throwing my hands up, you know, maybe trying to trade off some assets for, for you know, draft picks in years to come. I just continued to churn the bench, right? It's, it is a deep league. It is an experts league. So there's not a whole lot out there, but anytime that, um, you know, someone's handcuff or someone's backup was out there on the wire, anytime that there was maybe a developmental player that wasn't getting a whole lot of run now, but could have, uh, you know, opportunity down the road or in years to come, just really made it a point to try to continue to turn over that bench and add as many pieces as I could. And suddenly things started to break in my favor, right? Uh, Jonathan Taylor started to really pick up around, you know, week four or five. Uh, Brandon Ayuk came back to life. You know, T Higgins started to, to pump it up. Um, and all of a sudden I made my way to the championship game. I proceeded to get boat raced by Jeff Lambert, but nonetheless, I was, you know, sitting, looking at this team two or three weeks in thinking that, you know, I was in the first year of a three-year process or so. And because I made it a point to stay disciplined and look for guys that could have opportunity if the ball bounces the right way, um, you know, was able to plug in pieces like uh, um, like Freeman, like Devonta Freeman on my bench, 
Um, you know, uh, the Tony Pollard, as he started to, to pick up, he was a player that I acquired by way of trade. Um, so it was, it was really more a lesson in just always, you know, keeping a sharp eye for player acquisition and trying to find those, those upside plays that, you know, could have a contributing role should, should things break the right way. And Jeff showing why he's the big boss at going for two. He, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it was, it was end to end. He immediately, he easily had the best draft. Um, he immediately came out swinging and um, just just absolutely plowed his way through through the playoffs. I want to say in in our matchup specifically, he had a bit of a down week and he beat me by a good forty five points. <laughs> that's a that's a good feeling. Your down week still crushes your opponent. Sorry, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah so, uh, Brad, do you have any comments to make about uh, Eric and, and just like the process through that dynasty team that he made? No, I mean, I I think he. Uh, he, he showed a lot of patience and, and that, that's what you need. I mean, uh, well, one thing I fell uh, into, I know, I know it's not necessarily my turn yet, but what was possibly trying to be a little bit too aggressive with, with, with trades and not really, I mean, I, I definitely pulled off some good trades, but I probably should have been a little more, um, a little more patient and, and being a hold, um, hold idea with, with some of the players. But uh, I mean, it, it really just, uh, you know, it depends on how your roster's looking and, um, you know, if something doesn't seem right, I mean, you, you, you know who you wanted going into the draft. I mean, uh, and, and if you didn't get them, you could, you, you know, go after them. But um, the, most likely there's there's a player that's comparable that's actually already on your team. So, you know, how, how much are you willing to give up uh, for that? So uh, I, I think just uh, demonstrating the patience and uh, I mean, I certainly found myself uh, being very aggressive in, in, in one league. And it, I mean, it, it eventually paid off, but uh, uh, if anything, you know, gave, gave me some headaches as well. So, I mean, I think uh, just, you know, like, like Eric said, you know, being patient and letting things uh, happen is, uh, is certainly a way to go. And Eric, you mentioned Dickie, you're, you're picking up the backup running backs, the injury away guys with opportunities at any point. Did you, did you sell off any of those guys to, to acquire more draft capital? Yeah, it actually, it got to a point where um, I, I had just about everyone's handcuff that was still available. So as, as we got closer to the, the trade deadline, definitely moved on from some speculative pieces for future compensation. Uh, there was actually uh, a, a day in particular where uh, I, I traded off um, Garner Minshew to the Jalen Hurts owner. Um, and I had a second backup quarterback oh, it was uh, Mitchell Trubisky to the Josh Allen owner um, you know pieces that um, you know uh, apart from that one week really didn't stand to contribute to my my team this year by this point I was starting to you know kind of make the turn to where it looked like I was going to compete here in, in 2021 um, and so you know everywhere that I could flipped around these these pieces to try to regain some draft capital and actually flipped those back into a package to add a, another piece here or there uh, to kind of bolster my run. Right. Um, you know, flipped one of the draft picks that I got for uh, Hunter Henry, who was, you know, markedly better than my bottom of the barrel tight end. Right. So um, I, I think activity and movement is, is really the, the theme, right. You have to always be taking a critical eye to your roster and, you know, how you can potentially do something now that will better position you for, 
a move a few weeks or even a season or so down the road. I don't think it all has to be so linear black and white. Okay. If I'm competing, I want to buy as much. If I'm, if I'm rebuilding, I want to sell as much. Like you can do a mix of both. Like, and I mean, you proved it, right? Like you were still willing to sell off the assets that you needed to, and we're still able to make it to the final. So as a contending team, you could still sell off pieces, get draft and specifically talking dynasty, acquire draft capital, even if you're contending, because a, you, you mean, you can use that draft capital to, as you mentioned, package that to buy a better player than what you, you would have got initially. Uh, and so like, you know, if, if you, you know, a lot of times managers will, will be like that. If you, as a competitor want to buy from other competitors, you, you likely won't be doing it by selling them other or, or, I, I said that backwards. It's going to be very confusing, dynasty. But the, the idea is, you know, as a as a competitor, if you want to, if you want to go to another competitor, rarely are they going to actually sell you straight to you because they know that you're competing. You got almost got to go through through different teams. I'm going to make a trade here to make another trade there, and you kind of. So you know, with those other competitors, you're likely going to sell them players that you're hoping they don't use against you later. But then buy use those picks to buy from teams that are rebuilding. That's where you're going to get the better value at players that you could use in your lineup for, for relatively cheaper. So yeah, those, those ideas of, of not living in just one extreme or the other. And I know I, I tend to do that in life a little too much. So fantasy helps me kind of find that balance a little bit. Yeah, it was, it was definitely, um, I mean, th- those are, those are wise words and it was, it was sort of an organic way for it to play out with this, this dynasty team in, in particular, right. Um, you know, going through the evolution of, my team is years away to now I've rattled off a couple of wins to do I have a competitor on my hands? Right. Like it allowed me to, you know, really, you know, kind of play both sides of the fence. And I think that it, uh, you know, it, it worked to my benefit in the long, in, in the, in the end of, of this, this 2021 run. So Brad, I, I think I want to save your team for the end. Cause I want to circle back to a, the charity discussion really that we started with would be, I think a nice way to end there. Uh, so I'm going to insert my team. Cause I don't think there's a good transition here. Cause similar to what you were saying, Eric, it, it's the patience. And even if things aren't immediately going right from, you know, the first month, you know, just cause you're not doing well in September, doesn't mean your team is absolutely eliminated from contention and you won't win the title. It just means, okay, I've, I've got work to do. I've got steps to take. I've got to really add players or just make better start sit decisions at times. Uh, so one of the teams that I won, um, my only redraft win actually it's funny because it's it's we'll transition to redraft here but it is i found a, a bit larger roster for redraft league i mean i don't know what brad and eric you guys are accustomed to but normally i do redraft you might have about 15 to 20 roster spots total like it's not usually massive you, i rarely see redraft leagues go over 20 for total roster spots in in this That's league right in this league it was 27 and i thought oh that's and I think that was the whole purpose, wow. though. It was like I, I know it was uh, Nate Williams uh, at Nate NFL, I believe, is his Twitter account. I should have wrote that down. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Nate. Uh, but anyway, he, he invited me. I guess one of his friends was commissioning. And I think the idea was it was a redraft league, but with sort of a dynasty mentality in terms of build deep rosters. Uh, I think only start 10. So it was a lot of bench spots in particular. Uh, we're talking you know, 17 bench spots. Um, and so for the, for that idea was okay. The waivers won't necessarily, you know, something more close to dynasty league waiver wires where it's not a ton of players every week. You got to really pick your spots. And so I, I thought in a sense, I, I, I played dynasty at, up to this point. So I, I kind of knew how to approach that. So it was just taking that dynasty mentality of, of knowing how to team build and take it to a redraft team, not so worried about the age and really just focus on one season. And I, I mean, obviously I won it. So I, I had success, uh, 
but I think we could talk all we want about pick these strategies, but at the end of the day, it's pick the right players. And, you know, this is a Jonathan Taylor team. My first round pick was Jonathan Taylor, probably the best first round pick you could have made in most leagues. So I'm sure there's a lot of managers who got far. I don't know if they were, the intention was to take Jonathan Taylor, but got far, got to the championships even because they chose Jonathan Taylor as their first round pick. We were talking about not missing. And he was the one where if you took him, that was the biggest hit you could make in the first round. I had four Jonathan Taylor teams. Three of them made it to the finals. One of them was just awful. That was more my fault. I, I couldn't, couldn't, I couldn't take the good juju of having him as my first round pick and, and take that into a good team coming forward. But other than that, you know, four Jonathan Taylor teams, three in the finals, two of them won. Uh, Cooper Cup would have been the same thing for wide receiver in terms of his difference making level. I had three Cooper Cup teams. All of them made it to the finals. One with one of them. It's funny. I had a Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup team that lost in the finals. Figure that would be the the, the one heavy favorite, but. And it's almost crazy that I only had one Jonathan Taylor Cooper cup team. Cause that's a build that most people could have done. They were going, you know, cup or Taylor first, maybe second round pick Cooper cup, third to fourth. So you probably could have got away with having, especially if you were at the back end of the first round, there was probably a lot of teams that could have gone Taylor cup. And I, I don't know if like Brad or Eric, you had any teams with those two, but I, I, it's, it's probably strange how so few managers had that combo, but that combo was there. Like if, if, and if you took that, you were in pretty good shape and, and it, it was there to have for a lot more than what all of us really had. Again, I had 21 teams and only had that combo on one. That feels almost like a bit of a failure. Like I should have had more of that. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it was, it was absolutely within reach of everybody who was drafting. Right. Uh, you know, so often we see, you know, people asking about trades or, you know, asking what to do with their roster. And it's like, are you in a four person league? Like, how did you put this team together? Right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, <laughs> for, for those two players in specific, I mean, there was a, a, a beautiful like 10 or 14 day window. I think it goes around the end of July where Taylor started slipping into the second round even. Right. And, and cup were, and, and cup was, you know, fourth, fifth rounder in, in a lot of places. So that, that option was, was on the board for all of us. Um, and it seemed like very few actually got there. All of my teams that uh, played in the championships this round, this year rather, both winners and losers, either had Cup or Taylor. Neither of them had it together. But oddly enough, uh, this year in the Pros with Joe's tournament, uh, Scott Engel had the Taylor-Cup combination and got bounced out in the semis. Very, very surprising. We, we were reviewing his roster heading into that matchup with Michael Florio. And, and I mean, both of us, myself and my, my host, John, were incredibly confident that just on the backs of those two players, he had a base of 50 points that would be really hard to overcome. And sure enough, they both had kind of down weeks by their standards and he didn't even make it to the finals. Yeah. So before I keep going, Brad, do you have any like just thoughts on like Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup? Because again, number one running back this year, number one wide receiver, that that was probably key to a lot of victories was having either of those two, or if you were lucky enough, both. Yeah, man. I yeah, just just you know thinking back in the opportunity that uh, that the, that oppor- that that combination was there uh, for, for for the taking. I mean, I, I don't think it uh, matters. You know what? You know what type of league or, or how many uh, teams there were. Um, I mean, I, I have a feeling I'd have to look back, but I don't think cup went till like, like maybe late fourth or fifth in uh, one of the leagues, which, uh, you know, of course, uh, we didn't know what was going to go on, you know, who Stafford was going to favor, you know, uh, uh, woods was still there, you, you know, we, we didn't know, but yeah, just the, 
just to think about that combination is a uh, is a uh, quite something. I mean, as a matter of fact, with our um, with our dynasty league, I, I drafted a uh, Jonathan Taylor. I want I want to say first as well, and I also had a uh, Derrick Henry. So at the uh, and they really kind of helped offset because Taylor started off, you know, kind of kind of slow, and and, uh, and you know I was definitely riding Henry uh, for a while, but then uh, of course uh, Henry got hurt and. I was able to uh, ride uh, Jonathan Taylor. Was actually on a really nice run there, and then I uh, just uh, ran into a buzzsaw because I don't have any good quarterbacks. But uh, but yeah, no, I mean, having having Coop and Taylor is uh, certainly a uh, certainly a dream, and uh, it's definitely something to look back on and reflect and say, hey, you know that that could have happened to me. You know, I, I could have had those guys. Uh, so I mean that that's uh, you know that's certainly important about uh, you know looking back at your season. Anyway, so I, I we'll just quickly go back to this league. So as uh, again, uh, I thank uh, Nate uh, Williams for inviting me. And it's funny because it, it, it the scoring settings actually were similar to the other league I was talking about, the Fantasy Coaches Secret Play League, where running backs and tight ends, I think, got 1.5 PPR, but then wide receiver was down at, I think, 1.25. So it was okay. Fade the wide receiver. I, I kind of went with that approach again. Go early on the running backs. And um, I'm looking at, like, specifically which running backs. So, Taylor at 108, which crazy value probably should have been the 101, but no one knew that. So he was not going the 101 in any league, but, but you know, I think clearly the best first round pick. So I kind of got lucky that he fell to me there, but also I remember, I remember thinking it was an easy decision to take him too. I thought to me, because I, I remember looking at the draft, Kelsey had gone just before and that would have been maybe the decision there. Okay. With the tight end premium, I might go Kelsey without Kelsey. I thought, you know what, this, this to me screamed of, I want to go Jonathan Taylor here. Uh, and I, I remember looking at that board, not really liking everyone else. So I thought it was a pretty easy decision, but I, I know even 108 seemed like a little at that point, a little high because Eric, especially there was times where he was even falling to the second round. So maybe just the conviction on Taylor. Uh, I was happy that I, I kind of, I just, I was sad. I just get, didn't get more of him, honestly. Um, but it was I like, I think a key to the success of this team is nailing three running backs at three different points of the draft. So Jonathan Taylor in the first round, I took Devin Singletary in the ninth round. And I mean, and uh, Daryl Williams, 19th round. And all three of those guys were super key to, I, I had a couple teams that had that trio of running back on and in, in the, the championship round. So that was seeing all those touchdowns come in, uh, especially for Singletary and Williams. They're kind of happening at the same time. All of a sudden, okay, neither of them have found the end zone. All of a sudden, four touchdowns combined between them. So that was kind of a nice period. But like, funny that talk about the secret play league. This is another league where I took Travis Etienne in the fifth round. But this one, I guess I had better running back depth. Um, I know this draft is also much deeper than that other draft. Um, you know, I look and I look at, I missed on some key picks. Allen Robinson in the third round, Etienne in the fifth, Juju in the sixth. And I guess the one last lesson I want to share with people, I started the season 0-3. I went back and I remember thinking like, maybe I'm not panicking, but thinking, okay, this this might be not be the team I, I thought it was going to be as, as good as it was. And and so uh started 0-3, but I just kept grinding, kind of like you were saying, Eric, just to keep head down, just keep being patient, keep doing the work you need to every week. And then I pulled off five straight wins after that, got to a playoff spot and then just didn't give it up. And then, uh, yeah, eventually won the league uh, again on, on the, again, the backs of those three running backs, Jonathan Taylor, Devin Singletary and Daryl Williams. But again, it was hitting them at different points in the draft and, and Daryl Williams is a 19th round pick is such great value for what, again, like Eric, you talked about this earlier too, knowing the clear handcuffs to me, he seemed like a pretty clear handcuff behind CEH. So I was willing to take him in, in quite a few spots where he might've gone undrafted in a lot of leagues. And I, I, you know, I, I know a few leagues where just the last round or two, okay, just get Daryl Williams in there, get a chiefs running back and, and all, and life will be good. 
it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Brad, did you want to talk about uh, your team that had some success this year? Sure, I can. Uh, I can kind of go through it here. So basically, uh, the the league that I won is the uh, the Ministry League, which I which I talked about before. Uh, basically, it's uh, the the money goes to a ministry that actually. I know I'm going to say minister a lot. It actually, uh, ministers to ministers out in uh, like like remote places. Uh, so, for for instance, this guy, you know, he he travels to Brazil and um, just uh, kind of in the woods parts of Minnesota. You know, just ministers who are trying to build a church or whatever, and he 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 pours into them and you know uh, you know shows them a good time, let, lets them know that uh, that they're doing a good thing. So it's actually three leagues and one of uh, three 14 team leagues. So in order to win the whole whole thing, you got to win your league and have more points than the other two guys that, that win their league. So all that to say, what happened with this draft is something that I, I did not plan at all. Um, it actually kind of came across as almost uh, like a zero running back uh, theory. Uh, I, I didn't get a running back till the fourth round. And that happened to be Damian Harris. Now, I know I've been plugging Damian Harris since since the summer, and I felt good about it. But really, he was like the only, I guess, lead back at that point because I kind of waited a little too long. I started off with a um, uh, Kelsey, Kelsey Ridley, and Cooper. Uh, so uh, you know, I was kind of locking up those positions. But then, like everybody was taking all the all the running backs. I'm like, I mean, I thought I would get Harris, you know, further down. And uh, just all, all the running backs kind of kind of going. I mean, it really just ended up with uh, running back uh, as far as uh, selected was uh, Harris, uh, Devin Singletary, and Javante Williams, which, once again, I've been plugging uh, Javante Williams. I thought that he would eventually get the, uh, get the role in Denver, but, uh, of course, that didn't happen. And, and then also it just seemed like the, um, the, the quarterbacks were flying off too. I, I, I felt – I felt okay with who I drafted, which was Tannehill at the time, uh, you know, with uh, with that offense and, and and the new weapons and everything. But obviously that didn't work out. So really my strategy and what worked out for me this year, uh, I, I know I kind of talked about, you know, being patient and everything. Um, however, in this instance, I, I, was be, I was very aggressive. So my wide receivers that I drafted were, uh, once again, uh, Ridley, Ridley Cooper cooks and AB. So after, after week two, I started shopping AB as quick as I could. And uh, I was able to get, uh, you know, get him traded. I can't, I can't exactly remember who I got for him. Now I think about it. Um, I think it's somebody who got hurt. So, so, but that's okay. And then, but AB eventually, you know, went through a spell of uh, not being able to play as well. So, um, and then I was able to shop cooks uh, just because of the, uh, I felt with the with the quarterback change in um, in Houston with Tyrod, you know, going out. Obviously, Cooks had a great uh, first game against the Jaguars. Uh, he is he was you know the main target for the Texans, but I just felt like ah, Davis Mills is going in there. I'm not really sure what's going to happen, and I can uh, shop him around. And I was able to get the guy who I wanted 
at running back, and that's James Conner. I, I felt that James Conner was going to go into Arizona, eventually take over that role. Sure, it, a little bit of it had to do with injury, but even when he was in a timeshare, he he was finding the he was finding the touchdowns uh, week after week. I think he ended up with a you know 17, 18 touchdowns. So that's the guy who I targeted in in the draft, but somebody got him you know right before me. So I, I felt good about getting Connor in there, and then about midway through, uh, I mean. Like I don't think I was like necessarily zero and three. I was maybe sitting like I don't know three and three, but I had only won like I won like two games by like less than a point. Like thank you Daniel Carlson kicker on Monday Night Football or something like that. Uh, so I was hurting. Uh, obviously Tannehill was uh, bothering me, uh, so I, I just kind of looked around and I, I saw that uh, you know somebody had Joe Burrow and uh, I want to say Russell Wilson. So of course, uh, before Wilson got hurt. So I decided to go after Burrow. I, I liked, uh, I liked what he had uh, schedule wise in, in the playoffs. That's, that's definitely something I kind of, kind of looked at and I was at, and he also had a uh, Hunter Renfro. And at the time Renfro was starting to, you know, see some targets. Waller was still in the mix. So he wasn't, you know, you know, getting all the targets uh, like, like he ended up doing uh, later in the year, but I was able to package a deal uh, for uh two Broncos, Javante Williams and Cortland Sutton for uh, Burrow and Renfro. And that uh, obviously uh, saved my season uh, having Burrow as the, uh, you know, pretty much the uh, fantasy MVP that uh, during the playoffs. Uh, so what I, what I learned was to, to get out there early. I mean, I I'd certainly had some nice wide receivers that people would want because, and, and a lot of that happened because of, because of the draft, as I mentioned, uh, all, a lot of the running backs went before, uh, I started uh, selecting them. So I was able to uh, really uh, hedge those and, uh, you know, get, I, I was it, I was able to uh, make a move on Ridley, uh, which I feel kind of bad because really the next week is when he uh, called, called it a quits, but I kind of saw, kind of saw that, uh, you know, him not traveling. I was like, Hmm, that, that's, that's interesting. I think I'm going to go ahead and uh, try and shop him and see what I can get. So um yeah, I mean, it, it was really just uh, being aggressive and, and getting after it every every single day. Also, I, I didn't really look when it came to waiver wires or even trades. I didn't really necessarily pay too much attention to the projections. I I, I leaned on Kyle's uh, goal line guide, um, really to to kind of see what the you know what that player's defense w- or what that player what's going against defensively and, and what, what that opportunity was as well. And I really focused probably this year more than anything really focused on the matchups. Um, I mean, I, I certainly bang the drum when it comes to looking at the matchups, but I really looked at them this year and, and, you know, who was hot, you know, what, what defense are going against, what, what's the situation, uh, how, how is their team, you know, what, what's the, what's the split on uh rushing and passing uh, and a l- little bit more. And, and uh, I mean, I credit this show and, and having to be, com- uh, be prepared and, and, and learning a little bit more instead of uh, just trusting my eye test and uh, really uh, kind of getting in there and, and learning things. But, uh, but yeah, for, for me, for me to uh, come out victorious in that league, it was, uh, it was about being, being aggressive and, and, and looking at matchups. I mean, my, my running backs in the, in the final week were Damian Harris, you know, going against the Jaguars. I felt good about that. Granted, uh, you know, Stevenson took a couple touchdowns away from him, but I also picked up Dari Agumbawale in Jacksonville. Uh, reason being is uh, he was going to be the only running back. I thought that he would get a trash TD. Sure enough, he did, um, you know, to, to kind of help uh, 
you know, get me, get me over the hump there. And um, so, I mean, just to, the fact that I won a league with Dare Agumawale as uh, one of my starting running backs is, uh, is pretty, uh, pretty amazing. I mean, uh, of course, uh, Joe Burrow was, uh, was running the ship, but uh, um, Dare uh, certainly, uh, certainly helped us out that week. But uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty much uh, where I'm at with that. It's interesting because, you know, redraft, it's, okay, it's the draft and it's the waiver pickups and adding the free agents and turning your, your bench throughout the season. Those are the keys to it, but we don't necessarily do talk right. about trading and redraft that much. And, and you kind of showed Bradley, it was, it was super key to your strategy, acquiring guys like Burrow, Renfro, especially Burrow, how well he did in the playoffs and right. moving off the value you had uh, before it was sunk cost and didn't have any value. And I think th- that's the key is, is the timing of the trades, right? You were mm-hmm. very convicted on selling these guys, whether their value is still high to get players that were useful to you. And you did it. Right. We did, you know, you did it probably, you probably traded for Burrow when he was still kind of, you know, the, the knee wasn't that so, super solid yet. He wasn't running as much. So we were maybe, yeah. you know, I think at that point, maybe T Higgins might've been hurt too. So less yeah, weapons too. Well. Right. So probably mm-hmm. a bit of a down for Burrow and uh, maybe on, on what his expectations were. Um, because I mean, if you had traded for Russell Wilson, it, it, this wouldn't have worked out so well. I guess exactly, maybe if exactly. you got to the final, I guess he did have a pretty good week six, uh, 17, yeah. but wow. you know, also getting lucky on trading for the right players there, but but doing it early enough when the information wasn't there. Because if you know, if we knew that Joe Burrow was gonna do what he did in the fantasy playoffs, that manager wouldn't have traded you for that. So you had to do it kind of without exactly. that knowledge. You traded for Renfro before he became the target hog uh, on exactly. the Raiders and, and the, the true alpha there. So it's those unknown situations, you got to jump on them when they're unknown, because as soon as it becomes known, those player prices go up and you can't buy them for that value anymore. So kudos to you, Brad, for having some conviction and making those yeah. trades earlier than when they weren't so obvious, because that was the time to make them. That was the only time you would have been able to get those players at that price point. Yeah, it was certainly out of my comfort zone. It's definitely something I've never really uh, done that early and, and, and uh, you know, that risky, but uh I, so, something had to be done. I was winning games by half a point. I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't stomach that any longer. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I mean, big, big tip of the cap for you, you know, the determining factor in successfully pulling off those types of, of moves where you're out on a limb is, is really being able to determine what's noise and, and what signal, right. And it works both ways, right. If you're losing, is that, you know, something, Uh, that's, you know, just kind of fluky and variants all landing on you at once, or is it something that, you know, you actually have to be worried about and make moves around, right? You know, this player that, you know, maybe isn't quite off to uh, as fast to start as most people projected, right? Is is that circumstance or is that something that is, you know, due for regression? So really high degree of difficulty in in making that happen. And uh, the player that I wanted to highlight is, is who you started with, He's actually my vote for fantasy MVP, and that's Damian Harris. Yeah, guy, guy got into the box fourteen times. I remember when when the Patriots released uh, Cam Newton, I was just expecting his ADP to explode, and it never moved. He stayed right around the sixth round. So you got a guy that was getting all of the early down work and, and absolutely the priority option in the red zone for where people were starting to think about, you know, their wide receiver fours and you know maybe thinking about a, a premium handcuff and you know you, you you get a you get a piece like that that deep into a draft and it, it is the foundation of a team that can make a deep run so definitely definitely have a, a handful of Harris teams out there yeah. mainly after the cam trade because his mm-hmm. his ADP just didn't move it was right. dumbfounding 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. Okay, so I guess we're going to add a segment to the end of the episode. Who's the fantasy MVP? So Eric said Damian Harris. <laughs> Brad, do you have a, a different answer? Because I know you probably would be fine voting for Damian Harris yourself. Yeah, well, I would certainly, uh, you know, uh, be, be okay uh, putting a putting a vote in for uh, Damian Harris. But I, I'm going to go back to uh, James Conner because he really uh, came out of nowhere. Uh, everybody thought, you know, that he was – wasn't going to have the impact, uh, you know, with a uh, chase Edmonds there, but he clearly outshined and, uh, and did, uh, you know, amazing things for the Cardinals and for, uh, other, for people's fantasy teams. Well, I love hearing that, especially how much James Conner I had this year. <laughs> um, I guess in, in general, Brad, we, you know, some of our, you know, we, you know, we, we talked up certain players and didn't hit on all of them, but I think like the episode we did just before the season started on the, the players to avoid, like we kind of did that in August. And I think that there's a lot of good stuff in that episode of, of sometimes just avoiding the landmines, right? Like we were pretty adamant on chase Edmonds prices too high. I know even yeah. in some high stakes drafts, he was going into the, like the tail end of the third round. It, it made no sense when, you know, if James Connor could be had for three rounds later. Like it, it just seemed like one of those obvious ones where, you know, you, you know, you, you could avoid this backfield entirely, but if you're going to invest in this backfield, Connor seemed like he was definitely the guy to have, um, as you, as, you know, I think you both mentioned, even when, you know, Edmonds got hurt, but it wasn't because Edmonds got hurt that Connor had success. It was the touchdowns and that was happening even when Edmonds was in, in play. So I mean, any, any back that gets over 15 touchdowns, is going to be ridiculous. So, uh, it, I mean, Eric, did you say, you said Harris got close that you said 14 touchdowns. Yeah. 14 on the season. Anytime you're approaching close to that 15 touchdown mark, you're going to have, you're going to only be an RB one. So yeah, Harrison and Connor for mid round picks certainly produced on it. So good, good calls there, there guys. It's funny. The running back guy, I'm not going to go with the running back. I'm going to keep it obvious. We already talked about it. I think it's Cooper cup because of the, not just being the wide receiver one, but being the wide receiver one by what was it like maybe four or five points per game over, over number two. And then, and then like you saw like a group of like, you know, Jabbar chase, Justin Jefferson, Adams, you know, Hill. And then it was another big drop off. So he was almost like to those guys in that maybe the, maybe like the wide receiver, 10 12 you're talking about it like almost a eight to nine point per game difference on cooper cup right, right on other wide receiver ones right so i think and again he, he wasn't a first round pick because part of me was thinking oh how is it not jonathan taylor right like everything he's doing he's the rb1 he's gonna be the 101 next year but uh, like even when he was at his best value you might have got him at the early second round whereas we talked about it cup might have fallen to the fifth round and, and to get those numbers and yeah. like every week just consistently putting yeah. up close to double digit points. So had a great floor, but then also the great ceiling. And that's what you need to get those like Michael Thomas, 2019 seasons, those seasons, like you're not going to necessarily get one every year. I mean, we got one this year with Cooper cup. There's no guarantee of ever happening. So I, I would, I think it's Cooper cup. Cause I think I know for myself, every team I had with him made it to the finals. And there was a couple of times where, Oh, I'm going to lose this game. And then it's a late game with the Rams and Oh, cup gets, you know, two touchdowns or whatever. And, and it, it just bails you out of the week. And I, and I felt like that was probably something that happened to a lot of managers where even if you didn't draft a great team around Cooper cup, if you had cup, it might've made the difference in certain weeks. Yeah. Cup cup is uh, on that dynasty roster that I, I mentioned and, and broke down earlier. Right. And routinely he was yeah. delivering 25, 30, 35% of my points yeah. in a, in a given week. And considering where he was drafted, right? His expected value was, was as a fringe wide receiver two, wide receiver three. And you look at the scoring output of wide receiver twos, you're essentially getting an additional 
flex spots worth of productivity out of Cooper Cup relative to, you know, the the wide receivers in that 13 to 24 range. So, I mean, it's, it is absolutely a season maker. And I'm, I, I know for myself, and I'm a, I would assume for most people out there, he's all over the place on, on championship teams. Yeah, and Brad, I want to go back to your team real quick because something you, sure. you mentioned, like your whole philosophy of needing to trade was you were winning, but just barely winning, right? right. The total points is more important than the win-loss record early in the season. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think so. I mean, you, you find out more about, you know, possible trends uh, down down the road. I mean, I, I, I feel, uh, you know, it was a 14-team league. Eight of them go to the playoffs. I mean, so I wasn't, you know, too concerned about uh, – not not to sound too arrogant, but I mean, I wasn't too concerned about not making the playoffs. But yeah, I just wasn't uh, happy with uh, with the production, and uh, yeah, think things had to things had to get better, and I had to start uh, wheeling and dealing, as uh, the commissioner says. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's too arrogant, but it's also showing the priority. You're not just looking to make the playoffs; you're trying to win your league, and so then right, you made that right. trade under that mentality. Yep, absolutely. absolutely. So yeah, so and again, it back to the again the the one redraft team I won with started zero and three, but didn't panic, just keep going. And I knew like some of those losses were close, and I was scoring enough points to like it wasn't I wasn't the last team. Like even though I was last in the stands, I wasn't last in total points scored. Like it, it's I think looking at that early is kind of an indication. I mean, for for you, Eric, you were probably thinking, okay, you know, again, for you, it was even before the season started, right? With your dynasty team, was like look looking at the team before the points are being scored. You weren't sure. Then as soon as the points start getting scored, we get all that information. You 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 adjusted and and you didn't you know you didn't panic and blow it all up before it even got started. You you, you had the patience to kind of wait and see, and then knowing where which directions to to tweak and who to sell, who to buy, and and seemed again worked out to, that you made it to the finals but it, i think it's it's not overreacting to the wins and losses early but even before the season for dynasty teams it's not overreacting to the team that's not scoring any points you know you, you might not think it's that great but as soon as the season starts and the, the points start rolling in you might be surprised absolutely yeah, so we ran over our hour here, a little bit longer than we had yeah. planned but uh, i think good discussions a lot of good lessons to take from 2021 uh, so Eric, again, you can plug the the pros with Joe's fantasy league, uh, all that charity fun stuff, but uh, anything else you want to plug and let us know where the people can find and follow you, what other content you're creating. Uh, this is your time now. So uh, again, we appreciate you coming on and, and talking so much charity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank, thank you again for, for inviting me on and for, for sharing your, your platform with me. Uh, first and foremost, as always, I've got my hand out. So we are still raising money for Matt Harmon's charity. You can check us out at pros with Joe's on Twitter or at pros with Joe's.com. Uh, we've all, we've also opened registration for year three on the website, pros with Joe's.com. So you can go there and either fill out a form if you're interested in pre-registering or raise your hand. If you're interested in participating as, uh, as an expert, as a pro uh, again, over at pros with Joe's.com in terms of where you can find me out there. If you want to hear me make more words, uh, I am a uh, co-host, or actually the host, technically, of the DFS Pawn Shop, a part of the Going for Two Live Network. Uh, we stream every Saturday night at 10 p.m. Eastern. Myself and my compadre, Mike Holland, go game by game to the DFS slate. We're going to run all the way through the playoffs, and then we're going to pick up some off-season content after a little break following the Super Bowl. Um, and then more of my written work is over at drroto.com um, across D- 
DFS, across redraft, across uh, NBA and jock market. I've got a piece coming out there just about every day of the week. So uh, you can check me out on Twitter. It's at Fantasy Nav. Uh, and if you scroll through the feed, you'll see all those pieces coming out and you'll see us live on Saturday nights as part of the Going for Two Live network. Love the Going for Two plugs. <laughs> uh, but uh, yes, uh, Brad, was there anything you wanted to say to Eric before we head out? Again? No, uh, Eric, thank you so much for joining us. We thank you for your words on our uh, podcast here. And uh, we look forward to, uh, you know, having you on again and, uh, and you know, checking out your content. I appreciate it. Would love to join you again. Awesome. Yes, and speaking of content, we're you know we started twenty twenty two. We're here. Uh, you know, Brad and I were planning to do a ton of content in the offseason, dynasty, anything fantasy football related, and all that can be found on Twitter at fpc underscore fantasy pod for everything that we're doing on the podcast. Also, uh, you can follow your co-host individually. Brad's at the rundown underscore bh. I'm at Senra says. As always, download the full press coverage app available for free on Android and iOS stores, and it gives you access to all the great full press coverage content. A lot of playoff talk right now nfl playoffs and, and all the, the great written content all right but you also have some teams already starting some draft profiles so everything is already kind of hitting hard at full press coverage so uh join in get access to all those articles the, all the podcasts access the full press radio network again for free on the full press coverage app so download today also shout out to pa the second on twitter at pa underscore ii official really nice use the song melody as our intro and outro music so thank you pa for that and thank you, Eric, for joining. Uh, again, really appreciate uh, helping out any charity. So, of course, anything that we can do to, to help promote pros with Joe's, so we'll gladly do here. But, uh, yeah, like, as Brad said, love to hear your words on the pod, and it was a lot of great content for our listeners. Yeah, thanks, thanks again for having me. It was a fun chat. And speaking of the listeners, Brad, any final thoughts for them? Yeah, no, we just uh, look forward to uh, sharing uh, 2022 uh, with you guys. And uh, thanks for listening. Yes, as we navigate these NFL and fantasy football waters in 2022, we'll be with you every step of the way here on the Full Press Fantasy Pod. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not 
boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.